I think the most important thing is to understand what causes inflation. Sure. So you've got the Biden administration saying it's greed. Um, I wouldn't accept that from a third grader. I mean, <laughs> a, a third grader would get an F on their paper mm-hmm. if they told me greed caused it. Welcome to another bonus episode of The Kevin Roberts Show. Thanks so much for joining us. We have a little bit of time with one of the great patriots in the United States Senate, for that matter, one of the great patriots in America of our generation, our friend, Senator Rand Paul. So I'm going to cut straight to it. Senator Paul, thanks for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. On behalf of the million and a half people who have been members of the Heritage Foundation, the Heritage Enterprise, the two million Sentinels and our C4, thanks for everything you do. Well, thank you. We've been big fans of Heritage for a long time. We have been over there many times to both hear speakers, to be a speaker. Uh, We're appreciative of the great auditorium that you have over there. And uh, I think it was several times when Phyllis Schlafly was still alive that her group was over there and using the facilities. And we were able to come over and help her group. Well, thank you. We have a number of hot topics in Washington these days, and really none of them that we're going to talk about today are great. So maybe the next time we can talk about some important victories. But I want to start with one that you've been really articulate about over the years, and that is fiscal matters, but especially right now, the inflation that your constituents, all Americans are feeling. What's your sense of where inflation is going and what D.C. can do to stop it? I think the most important thing is to understand what causes inflation. Sure. So you've got the Biden administration saying it's greed. Um, I wouldn't accept that from a third grader. I mean, (laughs) a a third grader would get an F on their paper Mm -hmm. if they told me greed caused it, because you would have to then immediately explain, well, why did they all become greedy this year? And they've never been greedy before, but they all became greedy at one time. No, since inflation crosses... All, all, all products across the board, it has to come from something systemic. It can't be some sort of peculiarity to an individual like right. greed. And I usually tell people greed is if it's your money. If it's my money, it's just self, self-interest, you know. So, I mean, it's really that's just a pejorative and really doesn't explain anything. But the cause of inflation is, is that we run up a deficit. Mm-hmm. And then we have to pay for the deficit. So we sell our debt to other people. China buys it. Japan buys it. England buys it. But the Federal Reserve is a big purchaser of it. But they don't really have any money. It's not like you go over to the Federal Reserve and you open the safe and they say, oh, here's the money. Let's go buy the American debt. The money is created, basically. So Mm -hmm. and we measure this. And so if you want to see inflation, you look at one of the measures is the M2 of the money supply. Mm -hmm. It's gone up at a 15 percent annualized rate over the last three years. Last January, it was going up at an annualized rate of 27%. So if you increase the money supply to pay for the debt, you'll get inflation. So how do you get rid of inflation? You got to quit digging the hole. You got to quit. You got to quit spending so much. You got to try to balance your budget, work in that direction. And we've borrowed extraordinary amounts the last two years, nearly $6 trillion. We've never, ever borrowed this much, no matter how you measure it, not just in dollars, measured as a percentage of GDP, however you want to measure it. We've never borrowed this much money. You even have Obama-era economists, Clinton-era economists saying, oh, my goodness, this came from too much money. Do you think that, especially in light of some some good comments from people who usually aren't on our side on these things, that one thing that may happen in the next year is that there will emerge a consensus toward more fiscal restraint, perhaps not to the extent that you and Heritage would prefer, but are you at least cautiously optimistic that if things go well in November, that when we're, you're back here in a majority in 23, that there will be a renewed focus on fiscal restraint? 
No. I mean, <laughs> I was afraid you'd say that. Senator. No, but what will happen is this. There won't be fiscal restraint or fiscal conservatism in mm-hmm. any shape, means, or form. What there will be is there will not be fiscal excess. Yeah. So if, if we take one house, in fact, I tell people, and I, I try not to overstate things, but I've been worried about the country the last year or so, mainly because we're not a country that's evenly split that could go a little bit more to the left. We're a country that's evenly split that they so dominate things in government and so much change that they would institute socialism. Yeah. I mean, it's not an overstatement. That's they right. really would like to have the government in every facet of the economy, every facet of our lives. And we're a danger until um, the other party takes at least one house. That doesn't mean we'll be fiscally conservative, but what you won't get is you won't get a new $2 trillion bill unless there's another virus. Yeah. Because, of course, you have to remember the $6 trillion that we spent was almost all Republicans and all Democrats were complicit in this. Uh, there was a handful. It was mainly me over here and Thomas Massey on the House. Uh, there Thank God for others. Kentucky, right? Yeah, Chip Roy, maybe, yep. uh, maybe a few sure. other people. But there were not many people that have, uh, opposed the pandemic bailout because they said, well, the government caused it. They have to give the money. I said, well, the government shouldn't cause it then. It should be the choice, lockdown or bailouts. And we just shouldn't have had a lockdown. Then we wouldn't have needed the bailout. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, from one challenging topic to another and very related is this baby, lo- baby formula shortage. I just can't wrap my head around it. What's the connection between inflation and that and government overreach? I think anytime you see some massive disruption, your default position should be, how did government cause this? Yeah. You know, when you see all the ships off the board and uh, off, off the port in Long Beach and they're all stopped up, is that the government? Is that the market not working or is the government cause this? It's the same way with the formula. So one of the reasons we don't have enough formula here is there's like three manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Is there three manufacturers because the marketplace eliminated all the competition? No, the government did. Right. So the government buys most of the formula, the, the WIC program, which is for uh, new newborns and and uh, those who are underprivileged, it's like 80% of the market. And the contracts are dictated towards sole providers. So, you know, th- three companies have almost all of it. We've also prevented imports. So we have high tariffs and all of this. Mm-hmm. And then we also say to the imports, well, you can't use goat milk or you can't use this or your formula has 20 different items and right. you've got 19, so you can't. But here's the interesting thing. All those laws that prevent European formula from coming in, guess what they're doing right now? They're waving all of those laws. Mm -hmm. So I have a bill, Mike Lee's got a similar bill, and it would go ahead and get rid of some of these restrictions. If we can waive them now in an emergency and nobody's going to die from European formula, maybe we don't need these uh, restrictions at all. And really, to tell you the truth, I'd leave it up to the parents to decide whether they want goat milk or cow milk in their formula. You know, I mean, those are uh, those are things that I think parents can make a decision on. Uh, Imagine that theme that we'd start trusting parents on that, on education, which maybe we talk about another time. But I also know something high on your list as it is for heritage and also related because we're dealing with government overreach was this idea by the Biden administration to create this disinformation board. The specific question I have for you, because I want to save some time to talk about the Ukraine issue, is a lot of conservative friends, and I'm sure some of the same people for you have said, okay, this has been paused. Everything's okay. Is that true? I think pause should give you pause. That it's, it's not necessarily stopped or, right. or tossed aside. It's been paused. What should also make us think longer about this is that 
One of Mayorkas's defenses in the committee the other day was, oh, you know, the Trump administration did this too, and so did Obama. So Homeland Security has had this sort of behavioral stuff where they've been looking after our behavior for a long time. This goes all the way back to the beginning of the Patriot Act. And I can remember my father complaining about it. Mm -hmm. And there was a fusion center in Missouri that had sent out a notice. And their notice was that people who should be profiled as potential terrorists, domestic terrorists, which the Democrats are going to talk about again today, are people that have a constitutional party bumper sticker, people have a pro-life bumper sticker, and a Ron Paul bumper sticker. All that was mixed Maybe in. even a Ron Paul bumper yeah, sticker. Yeah, people right? that you might, might need to be worried about. Mm -hmm. So no, the idea of looking at speech and thinking that the government should be involved is not new, but it's getting worse. Yeah. I think it's been an overreach, though. So when, when the Biden mm -hmm. administration pulls back, and everybody in the country is calling it the Ministry of Truth. When I go home and a woman standing next to me wants her picture taken and says, make Orwell fiction again, I think, <laughs> I think they've lost somewhat the battle, but it's not over. So I have an op-ed coming out in the next couple of days because mm -hmm. I was reading a story about how Russia is treating disinformation about the war. Right. If you call it a war in Russia, you'll, you can be arrested for disinformation. That's what happens when you allow government to define misinformation or disinformation. We're not that far off, mm -hmm. but what the Biden administration, what Democrats are talking about is, it's not the KGB or the Gestapo that's gonna yeah. come after you, it's actually the police will be big tech. And so this is a big problem that is big tech really a private industry or are they the, what some are calling them the fourth estate? Are they the police force for censorship? And are they doing government's bidding and are they interacting? So Pisaki in one of her press conferences recently said that, yeah, we're, we're taking names. And that's what this organization would do. We're recording names. If you've been part of, you know, the heritage, you know, chat room, we're taking names. And then we're going to report you to not to the police. We don't yet have government police doing it. We have Facebook police and we have Twitter police. And this is a real problem. And I've not been much for government getting involved in the space, but there will be a point in time mm -hmm. when, and I, I've told Google this many times when they come, I said, when Gmail becomes essentially government mail, yeah. When you're, if you want to be part of the government, if you're giving the government all my information and you're willing to do the government's police work, then maybe we should regulate a, you as a government entity. And I'm not, I'm not big on right. that. I've, I've not been for you to say this space, really significant. But, yeah. but I, I'm worried that we're headed in that direction. I tell them all the time: if you want to be government mail, if Gmail's going to be government mail, then you're going to be treated like government, and you're going to get the same derision, and you already do from conservatives. Yeah. Um, but we have to be worried about that too, because I tell my audiences, I say. You know, we hate the disinformation board, but there are several right wing proposals that have disinformation boards in them. It's not called that, yeah. but it's called sort of it's policing of what they must do. It's sort of right. like a it's a police force that commands you not to censor. But that's also a police force or a government body that within determines what speech has to be put out there. And I still think we have lots of choices. Look, you can listen to the Kevin Roberts show. I mean, you can you can listen to the Rand Paul show. You can listen to anything. And so podcasts, the Internet, conservative talk radio, uh, conservative television stations, many of them. So I, I'm not really thinking there's a loss. I think there's plenty of, of talk out there, but more the better. And yeah. uh, as much as we can keep the government out, the better as well. No, that's right. I think conservatives with good intentions who want to fix this big tech problem, we have to be really careful about the law of unintended consequences. So thanks for that reminder. Last topic, which in a lot of ways for people watching or listening to this episode, Senator, people are really key in on. And it is this identical view that you and Heritage and 10 of your colleagues in the Senate have about the Ukraine aid package. Nothing at all against heroism fighting for freedom around the world, but 
you and Heritage and, and a handful of your colleagues thought, we really do need to stop this. We didn't succeed in doing that. Why don't you, if you don't mind, explain why you opposed the bill, but also as we were chatting before we, we went on air, what's going to happen in the fall when the Ukrainians and, and, and their friends and in D.C. And say, we need more money? You know, there's a saying that charity begins at home. Right. If you are, if I come to your community and and you're destitute and you're homeless, and uh, let's say you're not homeless, let's say you're a working person, you're making $10 an hour and you're barely getting by and you're barely feeding your families. But then I show you a homeless person, I say, why don't you give $1,000 to help the homeless person? And you say, well, I don't have any money, uh, but I'll go to the bank and I'll borrow $1,000 because it's a good cause. That's where the United States are. We are the person that's sort of barely working. We owe $30 trillion. We're a trillion dollars short for everything we want. And so even though I wouldn't be a big fan, and I'm not sure there's a constitutional reason why we can give money to foreign countries, but let's say we decided to do it in a practical way. One of the things I proposed in my speech was this. It would cost about $500 per taxpayer for the $40 billion. Why don't we institute a $500 tax on every American who pays income tax and see if it's popular, And uh, but let them know. That's the honest way. But we never do honesty around here. Another honest way would be we have $770 billion in our military budget. That's more than the next eight countries combined. Mm-hmm. Why don't we take the $40 billion out of the 770s? We won't add any more to the debt, which is already going to be a trillion or more this year. Take the $40 billion out and spend it. No, they don't want it. They always want it in addition. Where does it go? They say, put it on my tab. But when you put it on my tab, that means more inflation. And so it's just not fiscally conservative. And all the big government Republicans call me names and everything. But I'm fiscally conservative with all the money, not some of the money, all the money. And actually, if there's a priority right now, I think the biggest threat to our security, our national security, is the destruction of our money through inflation. And if we don't tackle that, I I think we're being irresponsible. Well, we are. And I think as, as we wrap up here so that you can get on to important business, people will realize people who supported this aid package in six months, 12 months, 18 months, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt, although I'm not sure all of them deserve that, but let's just give it to them for the sake of charity. They're going to realize it was folly. And so I'll close by thanking you once again for your courage on that, your consistency on it. We knew at Heritage as we were refining our position on that. We could count on you. We look forward to to adding some folks to your ranks to help you out. But thanks so much for being a great American. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. As you know, we love Senator Rand Paul. We're grateful for his time. We will see you next time. Take care.